Hey everybody, it's Danny. I want to say thank you for tuning in to the Heartway Podcast. And I want to give a special thanks to those of you who are tuning in from really all over the world. We're so grateful that you are a part of our community and that you listen in on an ongoing basis. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, I want to ask you to share this with a friend. You never know the impact that one of these messages can have in another person's life. And if you yourself have been impacted and you'd like to continue to partner with us to keep this work going, Check us out at heartwaychurch.com slash give. Every dollar that you give goes a really long way towards helping us do what it is that we do. Well, we love you. Really hope you enjoy the podcast. All right. Well, we're kicking off the year with a brand new collection of talks. Okay, and this is called Spiritual Foundations, and I want to begin by looking at a text from the Gospel of Matthew, wonderful words from the mouth of Jesus. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So if you're going to build something... It's really important to make sure that you have a strong and solid foundation. If the foundation is not secure, whatever you build on top of it is going to be very unstable. But if the foundation itself is strong and stable and secure, then what you build on top of that will also be able to withstand whatever conditions it may be exposed to. And so what is the foundation on which you are building your life? When we talk about spirituality, this is absolutely essential. You've got to know what you're building your life on. And most of us, if we're honest, build our lives on things that aren't the strongest and surest of foundations. We make our foundation things that are really shaky, like our career, our net worth, our relationships, We want these things to be stable. We don't want things to change in these areas of our life. And yet change comes. And when it does, if it hits us where it hurts, if it feels scary and uncomfortable, oftentimes the whole thing starts to crumble. When we experience a big sense of loss in any of these major areas of our life, what tends to happen is we can have like an identity crisis to the point where we start thinking to ourselves, who am I without this? Who am I without this person? Sometimes we'll stick around with the wrong person just because we don't know who we are without them. Same thing with our career path. Who am I if I don't have this? We feel lost. Well, here's the deal. If by losing things, you lose yourself, you're building your life on the wrong foundation. Sometimes it takes everything in your life being shaken up totally and completely for you to find that which is unshakable within you. This is why rock bottom, as hard and as difficult as it may be, can actually be 
a meeting point where you encounter God, a place of grace where you begin to reprioritize the things that matter most and reorient your life on a stronger foundation than what you've been building on up to that point. Look at what the scriptures say in the book of Hebrews. We should be grateful that we were given a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The presence of God in you, the unshakable, immovable presence of God in you. There is an aspect and a dimension of your being that is unshakable. It is immovable. And so in order to have a strong foundation, you need to know who you are. And listen to me, in a world where people will constantly misjudge you, mischaracterize you, misunderstand you, it is very, very important for you to know who you are, for you to be able to deal with all that stuff and still say, your opinion of me does not change who I am. Your assumptions about me do not define my character. You may be limiting me to a mistake that I made, but that's not who I am. That makes you a very powerful person, an individual, and you need that kind of resolve. You need that kind of fortitude to be able to sustain what life throws your way because I don't care how good of a human being you may be. There will always be people who don't like you and have something to say about you, even when you're trying to show and do the most that you can to prove that you're not the things that you've done. Sometimes you haven't even done nothing, but people just have something to say. So you've got to have a sturdy foundation, and it starts by knowing who you are. Do you know who you are? And I don't just mean who you are on the surface level. Do you know who, you're, who you are at your core? Okay, the surface you is, is your personality, your ego, your mental conditioning, your belief systems. It's the story you tell yourself about you. And that's always changing. So it's not very sturdy and strong and stable, the surface you. It's an important part of who you are, but it's not who you really are. Who you are at your core, at your core that's your soul. And I love what the Catholic theologian Teilhard de Chardin says. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Two different frameworks for living, two different modes of operation, two different ways of understanding who you are as a human being. You are not a human being having a spiritual experience. You are actually a spiritual being. That is who you really are at your core, and you're having a human experience, but the human element of all of this is somewhat secondary to the divine element of this, which is the essence of who you are. Some teachers have referred to this as awareness, consciousness. Some people refer to it as the witness or the observer. So in Eastern spiritual traditions, a lot of the sages and mystics would speak of this practice of self-inquiry. And what that means and what that involves is constantly meditating on and reflecting on the question, who am I? And the whole point is to not have an answer, to leave it as a question. Who am I? In order to know who you are, you first have to know who you are not. I am not my thoughts. I am not my body. I am not my 
net worth. I am not the roles that I play in life. Who am I beyond all of these things? When you get in touch with that aspect of your existence, that's when you begin to ground yourself on an unshakable foundation. One of my favorite modern-day spiritual teachers is a man by the name of Eckhart Tolle. Anybody ever heard of Eckhart Tolle? Really, really fascinating individual. And he tells his story of spiritual awakening. And as he shares this story, he talks about the fact that for a while he was very depressed to the point where he really wanted to just give up on life. And one day he was sitting out on a park bench and the thought came to him, I can't live with myself any longer. And when that thought appeared in his mind, something happened. It was like a light bulb turned on within him. And he said, wait a second. Am I one or am I two? Because for me to say I can't live with myself would imply that there are two of me. There's the I that cannot live with myself. And then he thought to himself, what if only one of these is real? And he points to that moment of realization as the moment where he was able to recognize what some have called the deep I, the real you, the soul, the spirit, your, your spiritual essence, awareness, consciousness, the witness, the observer, whatever you want to call it. But it is who you are at your core. Look at what this teacher says, Ramana Maharshi. He's one of those Eastern sages that really uh, taught this process of self-inquiry, reflecting on who am I, who am I? He says, thoughts come and go. Feelings come and go. Find out what it is that remains. We may have to chew on that for a little while before we get it, but I think it's a good statement to reflect on. Thoughts come and go. Feelings come and go. Find out what it is that remains. So what Ramana Maharshi would teach his students, he would say, anytime a stressful thought pops up into your mind, ask yourself the question, to whom does this thought arise? If you answer me or I, that's just another thought. And so the whole point of this process of self-inquiry is to move you beyond thought, beyond the mind, to the core of who you are as pure, unblemished awareness, to discover that kingdom that cannot be shaken within you, to discover that place of stillness within yourself. Life will hit you where it hurts. Okay, there will be problems, there will be suffering. I don't make a lot of promises from this stage, but the one thing I can promise you is that your life will be shaken up a lot, all the time. And anytime you get too comfortable, be careful, <laughs> right? Because something's going to happen. And if you're like I used to be, I used to be scared when everything was going really good. To the point where I couldn't even enjoy it. Because I'm like, wait, no, no, no. This is way too smooth right now. Things are going way too easy. Something's bound to happen. And I would be so afraid of that something happening that I really couldn't even relish and enjoy the goodness that I was experiencing in the moment. I was actually experiencing that which I feared way before it happened. 
In fact, it was happening in my mind even when it wasn't happening. And so we have to find a sure foundation on which we can build our life that is not dependent on the way our circumstances are going. For a lot of people, spirituality is just manipulation of life to go the way that I want it to go. My understanding and definition of spirituality is very, very different than that. And we're going to get into it in a moment. I want to give to you five pillars on which to build a strong foundation. Okay, the five pillars, I'm just going to tell you up front and then we'll go one by one. Faith, love, wisdom, stillness, and devotion. To begin, faith. I have a distinction that I like to make when it comes to faith. I make a distinction between elementary faith and mature faith. Okay, elementary faith is you getting what you want. Mature faith is about submitting to what God wants. Elementary faith is about your will being done. Mature faith is about God's will being done. Elementary faith is about asking God to do what you desire. Mature faith is about letting go of your desires. Elementary faith is not bad. It's good. It's faith. It's a necessary part of what it means to be human. The Bible even says, you have not because you ask not. Gabby likes to remind me of that sometimes. She's like, you know you can ask God for stuff, right? I'm like, yeah, I know, okay? Yeah, ask God for stuff. We talked about that last week. We talked about that last week. But if that is, if that's all you have when it comes to faith, if your faith doesn't have more depth than that, you're setting yourself up for disappointment because it doesn't always work out that way. And sometimes you can ask and you can plead and you can believe and you can think in your mind that it's already done and that it's coming to you. And sometimes it'll happen. Can you believe it? Sometimes God responds, right? The universe responds. And sometimes it doesn't. Would you look at that? Right? Well, when it doesn't happen, what happens to you and your faith and your spirituality? So all I'm trying to do is set you up in such a way that you can weather unanswered prayers. So you can still stand firm when the storm comes and continues to get stronger and harder and rougher even when you're praying for it to go away. Elementary faith, step one. Mature faith, step two. I define faith as trusting in the way things are. That is my definition of faith. Trusting in the way things are. Another definition of faith that I like is the feeling of absolute dependence on God. And I want to emphasize the word feeling. Okay, it's, it's, not a, it's not a head thing. It's a heart thing. It's the feeling absolute dependence on God. It's like I'm in a lazy river, just kind of floating, letting it take me where it will. 
I'm not going against the current. I'm flowing with it. So another important distinction to make when it comes to faith is to distinguish faith from belief. Faith is about inner realization. Belief is about knowledge. And so faith is very secure. Belief, by its very nature, is actually insecure because all of the knowledge and information that you can acquire about whatever it is that you believe in, that can be questioned, that can be challenged, that can be debated, that can be disproved. I mean, you can find research that proves whatever you want to believe, literally, especially in this day and age. In any area of life, any domain of life, you can find research that supports what you believe. So I don't even care about that anymore. Because this person who's so smart and has five PhDs says, you shouldn't eat meat, right? Or something stupid, whatever. And the other person says, the other person says, no, all I eat is meat. And that's the best diet that you can have. You know, the stupid things that we argue and fight about, right? Even though food is important, it's not stupid. But you understand what I'm saying. It's just an example, right? Yeah. But there's, there's you know, you can have research that proves whatever you want. And if your relationship with God is built on research, I mean, that's why I, I have a problem sometimes with like my, my Christian background and upbringing where our whole faith was dependent on something called apologetics. We have to prove that the faith is true. So let me show you why historically everything in the Bible literally happened the way that it says. Here's the historical proof and evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. Indisputable evidence. Well, well. All right. And then that's what happened to me when my research in the field of science started to contradict my research in the field of biblical studies. <sighs> what's happening? What's real? What's not real? Faith is not about information. It's about inner realization. It is something that you get from your direct experience of the divine. And nobody can take your direct experience away from you. So that is why I always point you back to your own experience. That is why here at Heartway, I always like to say, you are actually your own teacher. I am here, and our other teachers are here, simply to facilitate a space where you can come to discover for yourself what is right and true. So don't just take what I'm saying as if it is absolutely correct and right. In fact, most of what I say is wrong. <laughs> you don't like when I say that either, but... <laughs> discover it for yourself. Know it for yourself. The words are just words. You know, the words matter very little. The words are just a vehicle to get you to the direct experience of the unshakable presence of the divine within you, which is beyond words. That's why the mystics have said, love is the language of God. Silence is the language of God. Everything else is poor translation. So that's my little spiel about faith. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs>
The next one, the next one is love. The next one is love. This is, this is a pillar you want to build your life on, everybody. Love. Love is the strongest force in the universe. And I wish people really knew and understood that. In our culture, we have been taught to believe that love is weak. No, no, no. Love is as strong as you can get when you really embody love and live in love. Because love is able to take whatever you throw at it and absorb it while remaining completely and totally what it is. So you can hurl insults and criticisms, and you can be disrespectful and unkind to somebody who is loving. And what that somebody will do is take what you're giving to them and recycle it into forgiveness and mercy and compassion and empathy while remaining completely and totally rooted in a state of peace and harmony with what is. It doesn't get more powerful than that, everybody. When you're not shaken by the things that other people say or think about you, when you're not walking in love, what happens is you begin to lose yourself in your emotional reactivity. So somebody says something to you or about you that you don't like or something happens to you and you feel threatened and defensive. And when you're not rooted in love, now, the anger takes over, the bitterness takes over, the revenge takes over, and you literally lose yourself in that process to the point where some of us, we, we look back at what we did and it was like, it was like a dream. Wait, that, that's, I, I was almost unrecognizable. I don't even recognize myself there. So sometimes when like, we do stupid things and then we apologize, We'll say things like, that, that's not me. That's not, that, that wasn't me. And it literally wasn't you. Like you got taken over by an energy. Right? So love keeps you so rooted and grounded in truth that you become immovable in the face of all this other stuff. Now, why do that, right? Because if you're dealing with issues in life and somebody hits you, why not hit back? You know, because hitting back kind of feels good a little bit, sort of. But love actually feels better, at least in my experience. Love feels better. For me not to have to defend myself and let my life speak for itself. That's it. I don't, I don't have to do much. The truth will always prevail. The truth will always unveil itself. And if other people want to believe the lies, then they can believe the lies. But I'm okay either way. It's not going to change who I am. So when I walk in love, I don't have to live in regret because I'm not doing a bunch of things out of my defensiveness or emotional reactivity that's going to cause me to feel like, oh, my gosh, I made a really big mistake. We don't recognize how so often when we choose to move away from love, we become the very thing that we don't want to be and that we don't like. We become like our enemies. The very thing that you say you hate and despise, you actually become it without knowing it when you move out of love into vengeance, into bitterness, into anger. Keep yourself rooted and established in love. When love governs your mind and when love is your guide, you literally cannot do anything wrong. 
This is why in the New Testament, St. Paul actually says the law, the only law that we need to live by is love. It's literally what he says several times in the New Testament. The only law is love. We don't need rules when you have love. When you live in love, you're totally free. No rules. How awesome is that? You don't need rules, which means there's no more guilt and there's no more shame because I just live from this ethic of do no harm. If your ethic in life is love all, do no harm either to self or others, you're totally free to do anything and everything you please. St. Augustine put it like this, love God and do whatever you please. That's, it's as simple as that. Love God and do whatever you please. What do you mean do whatever you please, Danny? You can't just tell people to do whatever they want. Yes, I can if they love God. Because when someone loves and is remaining rooted and grounded in love, then what they want is what God wants. What you desire is what God desires. And so whichever way you move, you're, you're moving in harmony with God because you're walking in love. I love this quote from Ram Das, another spiritual, modern-day spiritual teacher who passed away several years ago, who has deeply influenced me. And there's a documentary that I think they made of him either on Netflix or Amazon that's really good uh, that I recommend to you guys. So just Google his name and watch it. But he says, I hang out with God in my heart, and I love everything in the universe. That's all I do all day. <laughs> what a life. But this, this I mean... I mean, that sounds really great to me. So whoever wants to join in, this is what I want to do. <laughs> Literally, like, I'm just, I'm just hanging out with God in my heart. That's right. You see me walking the halls, you know, that's it. That's what I'm doing secretly. You didn't even know. <laughs> Hang out with God in my heart. Love everything in the universe. That's all there is to do. Okay, next up, we got faith. We got love. The next one's very important is wisdom. And the Jewish scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, man, they're filled with this uh, wisdom literature. I love to eat up the wisdom literature. Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes. There's also other uh, wisdom books that like, didn't make it into the Bible. I don't know why not, because somebody said we don't want it in there, but they're actually really good. And I love to eat them up. There's like these, they're like these little proverbs you know, that, that teach you how to live life. And one of the things that you'll read in the Hebrew scriptures over and over again is wisdom is the principal thing. If you're going to chase after anything in life, chase after wisdom. Chase after understanding. Wisdom is more valuable than all the riches in the world. Wisdom is more valuable than gold. And when you find wisdom, it protects you. It guards you from suffering. Ironically, the only way to actually attain wisdom is through suffering. But once you get wisdom from your suffering, you can avoid a lot more of the same suffering in the future. You know, I mean, you'll still suffer. It'll be new suffering, though, and new lessons. <laughs> but I don't want to suffer like the same thing all the time. You know what I mean? If I'm going to suffer, give me something new to deal with and learn, God. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. There's no way around the suffering part. But, but. There's always little nuggets that God is leaving for you, little, little breadcrumbs in all of your life experiences. And if you're paying attention, there's, there's nuggets of gold in there, wisdom 
that can really change your perspective, change the way that you're living. Now, wisdom is not about reading and studying, as important as that is. If you're a spiritual student, I don't know how you do that without taking time to read and study and fill your mind with truth. But wisdom isn't really about reading and studying. Wisdom is is about reflecting on your life experience. Really big difference. Wisdom is not about accumulating knowledge. It's about utilizing knowledge to navigate the complexities of life. Knowledge will make you smart. But you can be really smart and unwise. You can be very intellectual and foolish. And you can be very simple-minded and very wise. So prioritize the attainment of wisdom. Pay attention to what your life is teaching you. God always comes to you in the form of your life. If you're looking for God, pay attention to what's happening right now in your life, and there you will find God. That's, it's as simple as that. So you build your life on faith. You build your life on love. You build your life on wisdom. The next pillar is stillness. Stillness. My definition of stillness is observing the mind without believing what it tells you. Okay? And this is tying back into what we were talking about when we started. Stillness. Observing the mind without believing what it tells you. What you will begin to notice, what I have noticed, when you sit in stillness and you observe the mind without believing what it tells you, you start to recognize that you are the cause of so much of your own suffering. You suffer because you believe what your thoughts are telling you. So it's important to have this recognition that thoughts come and go, feelings come and go, but there is something that remains. Stillness. Mind is cause. Emotions are effect. So what happens to all of us as human beings is we're so used to the stinking thinking that we've been passing around to each other for all of human history. It's just, they call it the, the, the collective unconscious. It's like we're born and then we just have all this junk downloaded into our mind. Okay? We believe our limited thoughts and then the effect that that has, the way that shows itself up in our life is with very heavy and burdensome emotions like stress and anxiety, and depression, and anger. Okay, the way to interrupt that cycle is by getting very, very, very still, observing your thoughts without believing them. And so your emotions are like an alarm clock that can actually reveal to you when you're believing something that is not true. You understand? So when you are feeling a very heavy and burdensome emotion, it's a good thing 
to begin to reflect on what is it that I am thinking and believing about myself, about life, about other people that may not necessarily be true. And like I always like to say, we're very skeptical of other people. We're rarely skeptical of ourselves. Be so skeptical of yourself. I'm a skeptic through and through. I, don't, I, don't, I barely pay attention to anything that my mind tells me. Because if that was the case, I'd be waking up every day and like just crying or something. I don't know. <laughs> really? I mean, you're just depressed for no reason. Or we're depressed about uh, fake scenarios that we have created in our mind. The mind is a powerful thing. The moment you believe it, it becomes your reality. So here's the practice from the words of, of a first century Christian monk by the name of Evagrius Ponticus. He says, be the doorkeeper of your mind and do not let any thought come in without questioning it. Question each thought individually. Are you on our side or the side of our foes? And if it is one of ours, it will fill you with tranquility. Faith, love, wisdom, stillness, so important. And the last one is devotion. Devotion. To be devoted to God, to be devoted to the spiritual path. That means everything is your spiritual practice. Everything. It means every encounter that you have with another human being is an encounter that you're having with God. Devotion means I'm paying attention to the patterns and synchronicities of life because there are messages that are being embedded in every circumstance and situation and location that I find myself in. Are my eyes open? Are my ears listening to what it is that God is communicating to me now in this moment? Devotion also implies discipline. Discipline is not a bad word. There's a, a military dude, Jocko Willink, who has a book called Discipline Equals Freedom. How does that make sense? I don't know. Read the book. <laughs> but discipline equals freedom. There's something about devotion and discipline. You know, I'm going to make a commitment to not a guilt trip, but I'm just going to make a commitment to be here every Sunday. Yeah. Or, or maybe, hey, look, look. That, may not be, that may not be your devotion, though. I'm just saying, but for some people, that is a good one. That's a good one. For, it's not for everybody, okay? I understand. <laughs> but for some, like for, you know, for me, I like to make that a practice. Now, granted, there's sometimes I don't even feel like being here, to be honest, but I show up. It's called discipline. And I benefit from it. I'm not going to lie, a couple weeks ago I was outside, and worship was going on, and Cliff was at the door. He's like, how you doing, man? I'm like, I'm good, bro. I'm just tired, man. I, I, honestly, I really don't feel like being here. And, he, and, and then, like, a couple seconds later, I, like, course corrected, and I was like, nah, but you know, I, like, I, I do want to be here. But, and Cliff's like, Cliff's like, hey, man, hey, it's okay for you to not want to be here. I'm like, oh, thank you, yeah. You know? Like, so I get it, you know? Sometimes even I don't want to be here. I have to be here, sort of, you know? <laughs> but sometimes I don't feel like being here. But there's something about discipline. 
Okay, and now let's get away from the church on Sunday thing, right? Because that, like I said, that may not be your devotion. But maybe your devotion is, hey, I'm devoting myself to prayer. And what does that look like? You know, I'm, I'm devoting myself to be a spiritual student, which means even though I'm going to read all these other wonderful books, I'm also going to pick up one that I know is going to help me in my spiritual journey. You know, maybe discipline for you comes in the form of, of community. Whatever it is that it looks like for you. Maybe, you know, some people are very disciplined with their yoga practice. Maybe you're very disciplined in the terms of spending time alone, away from the noise. I'm going I'm to find a time once a week. In, in the Hebrew scriptures, they called it the Sabbath. And for them, there's no, you don't, you don't mess with that. My boy invited me to his Shabbat dinner uh, a couple weeks ago. They made me wear a yarmulke, everybody. <laughs> I loved it, though. It was so great. Even though I messed up my hair, it's like I put it on so proudly. I'm one of you. <laughs> I have uh, some Jewish friends that are getting married soon, so I asked the, the, the bride. I was like, hey, you got any other you know, Jewish family members, single ladies that, uh, you, know, maybe, you know? And I was like, I'll convert. <laughs> I don't care, you know? It ain't about religion for me. It's about love. You know what I'm saying? I don't care. We teach from the Hebrew scriptures, shalom, baby. <laughs> so, you know, this idea of keeping the Sabbath day holy, right? It's just once a week, I'm going to take a day to just... Cancel out the noise and be with me and be with God. Whatever that devotion looks like for you, okay? Just build a habit. Build disciplines that will be able to strengthen you. Because here's the deal. If you don't get ready, if you don't build the foundation before the storm comes, what do you think is going to happen when it does? So now is the time for you to build the foundation. Not try and build it when you're in the middle of a crisis. I mean, you can do that too, but... There's a better way. In the Old Testament, the Jewish people would offer sacrifices to God and offerings to God as an expression of their devotion. I love that in the New Testament, it teaches that the offering of sacrifices was really just a shadow of the real thing, which is living your life as a sacrifice to God. To allow my, the entirety of my life to be a living sacrifice, which means every, every thought, every, every dream, every desire that I have, I submit it to you, God. I surrender it to you, God. I, I, my life is a living sacrifice. Consume me with your holy fire. Let me burn with the fire of your love. I'm devoted. I'm all the way in, all the way in. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know, when you live with that kind of devotion, you start to recognize that life isn't really about the stuff that happens to you. It's about what's happening within you. You know what I mean? Like right now, I'm going through a little something, uncertainty, and and things are a little shaky in Danny Prada's world because there's an opportunity 
that I was presented with that has been so good for me and there have been plans that have been projected for the future and there's a possibility that all of that can be gone in a moment. That's going to affect me financially. It's going to affect me in terms of just the path that I thought God was carving out for me. And it can be scary. It can be challenging. It can be fearful. It can be difficult. And in my worst moments, I, I freak out. You know, oh my gosh, what's going to happen without that paycheck? You know, in my better moments, I think to myself, this isn't about the money coming in. This isn't about whether this opportunity remains or not. It's about me learning how to build my life on a sure and strong foundation that can sustain me through all of this stuff that will continue to happen. Right now, for me, it's this situation. Next year, it's going to be something else. And the year after that, it's going to be something else. So eventually, you just learn how to ride the waves. But the waves are coming, everybody. But if you build your house on a solid rock, solid foundation, you're going to be all right. And if you surround yourself with people who love you and can support you through the process, you're definitely going to be all right. And that's why we're here. Let's pray. God, thank you for being our solid rock, the foundation on which we can build our lives, knowing that whatever it is that may come our way, we will be safe and secure in you as our refuge, as our fortress. Help us to build our life on the pillars of faith and love and wisdom and stillness and devotion. May we come to know who we are beyond our thoughts, beyond our feelings, beyond the mind, beyond the roles that we play. Reveal to us now the unshakable kingdom within us. Remind us that we are one with you, spiritual beings having a human experience. May we be rooted and grounded in the truth of who you are. And may you sustain us through all the storms of life. We welcome and embrace your assistance in this. Amen. All right, everybody. Happy Sunday. Couple weeks before the anniversary. I hope you're inviting people. It's going to be awesome. God bless you. Have a good one.